letter six of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah letter six darcy latimer to allan fairford in continuation of letters three and four i told thee i walked out into the open air with my grave and stern landlord i could now see more perfectly than on the preceding night the secluded glen in which stood the two or three cottages which appeared to be the abode of him and his family it was so narrow in proportion to its depth that no ray of the morning sun was likely to reach it till it should rise high in the horizon looking up the dell you saw a brawling brook issuing in foamy haste from a covert of underwood like a racehorse impatient to arrive at the goal and if you gazed yet more earnestly you might observe part of a high waterfall glimmering through the foliage and giving occasion doubtless to the precipitate speed of the brook lower down the stream became more placid and opened into a quiet piece of water which afforded a rude haven to two or three fishermen's boats then lying high and dry on the sand the tide being out two or three miserable huts could be seen beside this little haven inhabited probably by the owners of the boats but inferior in every respect to the establishment of mine host though that was miserable enough i had but a minute or two to make these observations yet during that space my companion showed symptoms of impatience and more than once shouted crystal crystal nixon until the old man of the preceding evening appeared at the door of one of the neighboring cottages or outhouses leading the strong black horse which i before commemorated ready bridled and saddled my conductor made crystal a sign with his finger and turning from the cottage door led the way up the steep path or ravine which connected the sequestered dell with the open country had i been perfectly aware of the character of the road down which i had been hurried with so much impetuosity on the preceding evening i greatly question if i should have ventured the descent for it deserved no better name than the channel of a torrent now in a good measure filled with water that dashed in foam and fury into the dell being swelled with the rains of the preceding night i ascended this ugly path with some difficulty although on foot and felt dizzy when i observed from such traces as the rains had not obliterated that the horse seemed almost to have slid down it upon his haunches the evening before my host threw himself on his horse's back without placing a foot in the stirrup passed me in the perilous ascent against which he pressed his steed as if the animal had had the footing of a wild cat the water and mud splashed from his heels in his reckless course and a few bounds placed him on top of the bank where i presently joined him 
and found the horse and rider standing still as a statue the former panting and expanding his broad nostrils to the morning wind the latter motionless with his eye fixed on the first beams of the rising sun which already began to peer above the eastern horizon and gild the distant mountains of cumberland and lydesdale he seemed in a reverie from which he started at my approach and putting his horse in motion led the way at a leisurely pace through a broken and sandy road which traversed a waste level and uncultivated tract of downs intermixed with morass much like that in the neighbourhood of my quarters at shepherd's bush indeed the whole open ground of this district where it approaches the sea has except in a few favoured spots the same uniform and dreary character advancing about a hundred yards from the brink of the glen we gained a still more extensive command of this desolate prospect which seemed even more dreary as contrasted with the opposite shores of cumberland crossed and intersected by ten thousand lines of trees growing in hedgerows shaded with groves and woods of considerable extent animated by hamlets and villas from which thin clouds of smoke already gave sign of human life and human industry my conductor had extended his arm and was pointing the road to shepherd's bush when the step of a horse was heard approaching us he looked sharply round and having observed who was approaching proceeded in his instructions to me planting himself at the same time in the very middle of the path which at the place where we halted had a slough on the one side and a sand-bank on the other i observed that the rider who approached us slackened his horse's pace from a slow trot to a walk as if desirous to suffer us to proceed or at least to avoid passing us at a spot where the difficulty of doing so must have brought us very close to each other you know my old failing alan and that i am always willing to attend to anything in preference to the individual who has for the time possession of the conversation agreeably to this amiable propensity i was internally speculating concerning the cause of the writer keeping aloof from us when my companion elevating his deep voice so suddenly and so sternly as at once to recall my wandering thoughts exclaimed in the name of the devil young man do you think that others have no better use for their time than you have that you oblige me to repeat the same thing to you three times over do you see i say yonder thing at a mile's distance that looks like a finger-post or rather like a gallows i would it had a dreaming fool hanging upon it as an example to all meditative moon-calves yon gibbet-looking pole will guide you to the bridge where you must pass the large brook then proceed straight forwards till several roads divide at a cairn plague on thee thou art wandering again 
it is indeed quite true that at this moment the horseman approached us and my attention was again called to him as i made way to let him pass his whole exterior at once showed that he belonged to the society of friends or as the world and the world's law calls them quakers a strong and useful iron-grey galloway showed by its sleek and good condition that the merciful man was merciful to his beast his accoutrements were in the usual unostentatious but clean and serviceable order which characterizes these sectaries his long surtout of dark grey superfine cloth descended down to the middle of his leg and was buttoned up to his chin to defend him against the morning air as usual his ample beaver hung down without button or loop and shaded a comely and placid countenance the gravity of which appeared to contain some seasoning of humour and had nothing in common with the pinched puritanical air affected by devotees in general the brow was open and free from wrinkles whether of age or hypocrisy the eye was clear calm and considerate yet appeared to be disturbed by apprehension not to say fear as pronouncing the usual salutation of i wish thee a good morrow friend he indicated by turning his palfrey close to one side of the path a wish to glide past us with as little trouble as possible just as a traveller would choose to pass a mastiff of whose peaceable intentions he is by no means confident but my friend not meaning perhaps that he should get off so easily put his horse quite across the path so that without plunging into the slough or scrambling up the bank the quaker could not have passed him neither of these was an experiment without hazard greater than the passenger seemed willing to incur he halted therefore as if waiting till my companion should make way for him and as they sat fronting each other i could not help thinking that they might have formed no bad emblem of peace and war for although my conductor was unarmed yet the whole of his manner his stern look and his upright seat on horseback were entirely those of a soldier in undress he accosted the quaker in these words so ho friend joshua thou art early to the road this morning has the spirit moved thee and thy righteous brethren to act with some honesty and pull down yonder tide-nets that keep the fish from coming up the river surely friend not so answered joshua firmly but good-humouredly at the same time thou canst not expect that our own hands should pull down what our purses established thou killest the fish with spear line and cobble-net and we with snares and with nets which work by the ebb and flow of the tide each doth what seems best in his eyes to secure a share of the blessing which providence hath bestowed on the river and that within his own bounds i prithee seek no quarrel against us for thou shalt have no wrong at our hand 
be assured i will take none at the hand of any man whether his hat be cocked or broad-brimmed answered the fisherman i tell you in fair terms joshua geddes that you and your partners are using unlawful craft to destroy the fish in the solway by stake-nets and wares and that we who fish fairly and like men as our fathers did have daily and yearly less sport and less profit do not think gravity or hypocrisy can carry it off as you have done the world knows you and we know you you will destroy the salmon which makes the livelihood of fifty poor families and then wipe your mouth and go to make a speech at meeting but do not hope it will last thus i give you fair warning we will be upon you one morning soon when we will not leave a stake standing in the pools of the solway and down the tide they shall every one go and well if we do not send a lessee along with them friend replied joshua with a constrained smile that i know thou dost not mean as thou sayest i would tell thee we are under the protection of this country's laws nor do we the less trust to obtain their protection that our principles permit us not by any act of violent resistance to protect ourselves all villainous cant and cowardice exclaimed the fisherman and assumed merely as a cloak to your hypocritical avarice nay say not cowardice my friend answered the quaker since thou knowest there may be as much courage in enduring as in acting and i will be judged by this youth and by any one else whether there is not more cowardice even in the opinion of that world whose thoughts are the breath in thy nostrils in the armed oppressor who doth injury than in the defenceless and patient sufferer who endureth it with constancy i will change no more words with you on the subject said the fisherman who as if something moved at the last argument which mr geddes had used now made room for him to pass forward on his journey do not forget however he added that you have had fair warning nor suppose that we will accept of fair words in apology for foul play these nets of yours are unlawful they spoil our fishings we will have them down at all risks and hazards i am a man of my word friend joshua i trust thou art said the quaker but thou art the rather bound to be cautious in rashly affirming what thou wilt never execute for i tell thee friend that though there is as great a difference between thee and one of our people as there is between a lion and a sheep yet i know and believe thou hast so much of the lion in thee that thou wouldst scarce employ thy strength and thy rage upon that which professeth no means of resistance report says so much good of thee at least if it says little more time will try answered the fisherman and hark thee joshua before we part i will put thee in the way of doing one good deed 
which credit me is better than twenty moral speeches here is a stranger youth whom heaven has so scantily gifted with brains that he will bewilder himself in the sands as he did last night unless thou wilt kindly show him the way to shepherd's bush for i have been in vain endeavouring to make him comprehend the road thither hast thou so much charity under thy simplicity quaker as to do this good turn nay it is thou friend answered joshua that dost lack charity to suppose any one unwilling to do so simple a kindness thou art right i should have remembered it can cost thee nothing young gentleman this pious pattern of primitive simplicity will teach thee the right way to the shepherd's bush ay and will himself shear thee like a sheep if you come to buying and selling with him he then abruptly asked me how long i intended to remain at shepherd's bush i replied i was at present uncertain as long probably as i could amuse myself in the neighbourhood you are fond of sport he added in the same tone of brief inquiry i answered in the affirmative but added i was totally inexperienced perhaps if you reside here for some days he said we may meet again and i may have the chance of giving you a lesson ere i could express either thanks or assent he turned short round with a wave of his hand by way of adieu and rode back to the verge of the dell from which we had emerged together and as he remained standing upon the banks i could long hear his voice while he shouted down to those within its recesses meanwhile the quaker and i proceeded on our journey for some time in silence he restrained his sober-minded steed to a pace which might have suited a much less active walker than myself and looking on me from time to time with an expression of curiosity mingled with benignity for my part i cared not to speak first it happened i had never before been in company with one of this particular sect and afraid that in addressing him i might unwittingly infringe upon some of their prejudices or peculiarities i patiently remained silent at length he asked me whether i had been long in the service of the laird as men called him i repeated the words in his service with such an accent of surprise as induced him to say nay but friend i mean no offence perhaps i should have said in his society an inmate i mean in his house i am totally unknown to the person from whom we have just parted said i and our connection is only temporary he had the charity to give me his guidance from the sands and a night's harbourage from the tempest so our acquaintance began and there it is likely to end for you may observe that our friend is by no means apt to encourage familiarity so little so answered my companion that thy case is i think the first in which i ever heard of his receiving any one into his house that is if thou hast really spent the night there why should you doubt it replied i there is no motive i can have 
to deceive you nor is the object worth it be not angry with me said the quaker but thou knowest that thine own people do not as we humbly endeavoured to do confine themselves within the simplicity of truth but employ the language of falsehood not only for profit but for compliment and sometimes for mere diversion i have heard various stories of my neighbour of most of which i only believe a small part and even then they are difficult to reconcile with each other but this being the first time i ever heard of his receiving a stranger within his dwelling made me express some doubts i pray thee let them not offend thee he does not said i appear to possess in much abundance the means of exercising hospitality and so may be excused from offering it in ordinary cases that is to say friend replied joshua thou hast supped ill and perhaps breakfasted worse now my small tenement called mount sharon is nearer to us by two miles than thine inn and although going thither may prolong thy walk as taking thee of the straighter road to shepherd's bush yet methinks exercise will suit thy youthful limbs as well as a good plain meal thy youthful appetite what sayest thou my young acquaintance if it puts you not to inconvenience i replied for the invitation was cordially given and my bread and milk had been hastily swallowed and in small quantity nay said joshua use not the language of compliment with those who renounce it had this poor courtesy been very inconvenient perhaps i had not offered it i accept the invitation then said i in the same good spirit in which you give it the quaker smiled reached me his hand i shook it and we travelled on in great cordiality with each other the fact is i was much entertained by contrasting in my own mind the open manner of the kind-hearted joshua geddes with the abrupt dark and lofty demeanour of my entertainer on the preceding evening both were blunt and unceremonious but the plainness of the quaker had the character of devotional simplicity and was mingled with the more real kindness as if honest joshua was desirous of atoning by his sincerity for the lack of external courtesy on the contrary the manners of the fisherman were those of one to whom the rules of good behaviour might be familiar but who either from pride or misanthropy scorned to observe them still i thought of him with interest and curiosity notwithstanding so much about him that was repulsive and i promised myself in the course of my conversation with the quaker to learn all that he knew on the subject he turned the conversation however into a different channel and inquired into my own condition of life and views in visiting this remote frontier i only thought it necessary to mention my name and add that i had been educated to the law but finding myself possessed of some independence i had of late permitted myself some relaxation and was residing at shepherd's bush to enjoy the pleasure of angling 
i do thee no harm young man said my new friend in wishing thee a better employment for thy grave hours and a more humane amusement if amusement thou must have for those of a lighter character you are severe sir i replied i heard you but a moment since refer yourself to the protection of the laws of the country if there be laws there must be lawyers to explain and judges to administer them joshua smiled and pointed to the sheep which were grazing on the downs over which we were travelling were a wolf he said to come even now upon yonder flocks they would crowd for protection doubtless around the shepherd and his dogs yet they are bitten and harassed daily by the one shorn and finally killed and eaten by the other but i say not this to shock you for though laws and lawyers are evils yet they are necessary evils in this probationary state of society till man shall learn to render unto his fellows that which is their due according to the light of his own conscience and through no other compulsion meanwhile i have known many righteous men who have followed thy intended profession in honesty and uprightness of walk the greater their merit who walk erect in a path which so many find slippery and angling said i you object to that also as an amusement you who if i understood rightly what passed between you and my late landlord are yourself a proprietor of fisheries not a proprietor he replied i am only in co-partnery with others a taxman or lessee of some valuable salmon fisheries a little down the coast but mistake me not the evil of angling with which i class all sports as they are called which have the suffering of animals for their end and object does not consist in the mere catching and killing those animals with which the bounty of providence hath stocked the earth for the good of man but in making their protracted agony a principle of delight and enjoyment i do indeed cause these fisheries to be conducted for the necessary taking killing and selling the fish and in the same way were i a farmer i should send my lambs to market but i should as soon think of contriving myself a sport and amusement out of the trade of the butcher as out of that of the fisher we argued the point no further for though i thought his arguments a little too high strained yet as my mind acquitted me of having taken delight in aught but the theory of field sports i do not think myself called upon stubbornly to advocate a practice which had afforded me so little pleasure we had by this time arrived at the remains of an old finger-post which my host had formerly pointed out as a landmark here a ruinous wooden bridge supported by long posts resembling crutches served me to get across the water while my new friend sought a ford 
a good way higher up for the stream was considerably swelled as i paused for his rejoining me i observed an angler at a little distance pouching trout after trout as fast almost as he could cast his line and i own in spite of joshua's lecture on humanity i could not but envy his adroitness and success so natural is the love of sport to our minds or so easily are we taught to assimilate success in field sports with ideas of pleasure and with the praise due to address and agility i soon recognized in the successful angler little benjie who had been my guide and tutor in that gentle art as you have learned from my former letters i called i whistled the rascal recognized me and starting like a guilty thing seemed hesitating whether to approach or to run away and when he determined on the former it was to assail me with a loud clamorous and exaggerated report of the anxiety of all at the shepherd's bush for my personal safety how my landlady had wept how sam and the ostler had not the heart to go to bed but sat up all night drinking and how he himself had been up long before daybreak to go in quest of me and you were switching the water i suppose said i to discover my dead body this observation produced a long gnaw um um of acknowledged detection but with his natural impudence and confidence in my good nature he immediately added that he thought i would like a fresh trout or twa for breakfast and the water being in such a rare trim for the salmon ron the bait made of salmon roe salted and preserved in a swollen river and about the month of october it is a most deadly bait he couldna help taking a cast while we were engaged in this discussion the honest quaker returned to the farther end of the wooden bridge to tell me he could not venture to cross the brook in its present state but would be under the necessity to ride round by the stone bridge which was mile and a half higher up than his own house he was about to give me directions how to proceed without him and inquire for his sister when i suggested to him that if he pleased to trust his horse to little benjie the boy might carry him round by the bridge while we walked the shorter and more pleasant road joshua shook his head for he was well acquainted with benjie who he said was the naughtiest varlet in the whole neighbourhood nevertheless rather than part company he agreed to put the pony under his charge for a short season with many injunctions that he should not attempt to mount but lead the pony even solomon by the bridle under the assurances of sixpence in case of proper demeanour and penalty that if he transgressed the orders given him verily he would be scourged promises cost benjie nothing and he showered them out wholesale till the quaker at length yielded up the bridle to him repeating his charges and enforcing them by holding up his forefinger on my part 
i called to benjy to leave the fish he had taken at mount sharon making at the same time an apologetic countenance to my new friend not being quite aware whether the compliment would be agreeable to such a condemner of field sports he understood me at once and reminded me of the practical distinction betwixt catching the animals as an object of cruel and wanton sport and eating them as lawful and gratifying articles of food after they were killed on the latter point he had no scruples but on the contrary assured me that this brook contained the real red trout so highly esteemed by all connoisseurs and that when eaten within an hour of their being caught they had a peculiar firmness of substance and delicacy of flavour which rendered them an agreeable addition to a morning meal especially when earned like ours by early rising and an hour or two's wholesome exercise but to thy alarm be it spoken allan we did not come so far as the frying of our fish without further adventure so it is only to spare thy patience and mine own eyes that i pull up for the present and send thee the rest of my story in a subsequent letter and of letter six